Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. I'm here with Marilyn. Hey, guys. And Elliot. Hello, Jesse and Marilyn. Hello, Elliot. <laughs> um, what's going on? Elliot, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, minus hurting my back, but uh, yeah, I'm at the Olympic Training Center. I think I've been here almost a month, um, and my better half is on a flight to Bermuda, probably landing any second right now for the second to last leg of the WTCS series. So we got that coming up, or she has that coming up, and then she's got the grand final in Abu Dhabi at the end of November. Hopefully things go smoothly. Um, and then, yeah, I'm doing a coaching camp with the USAT for like the paratriathlon here at the, so we, Erica and I were training here or she was training, I was coaching. And then there's the paratriathlon camp coming up next week. Looking forward to that, talking to some other coaches and meeting some athletes and, and doing all that good jazz. Awesome. Um, how's, how's Erica feeling about the races? Is she excited? Yeah. So midsummer she got norovirus followed by COVID and, and that was a rough go and then it was um slow build back but it's kind of just been every week or two kind of leveling up leveling up leveling up and now we're in November and it's, it's still going smooth she's pretty healthy um but you kind of never know you know when you're when everyone you're racing is an Olympian um but yeah I think we're we're hoping to get as close to the front of the race as possible awesome and Marilyn, what's new in your world? Uh, just off of Kona and St. George 70.3 World with all of my crew, which was really fun and really successful. Uh, I was proud of all their performances. Everybody, you know, what like their topic today, it's been a long year. Man, there's been a lot stacked. So really, it was like, we're back at St. George. Here we go. You know, it's, uh, it was, it, w it went well and, and fun to watch everyone race. And the big thing is that, you know, the season's not done yet. So the, I've been spending a lot of time with my crew, keeping them back half of the season focused and doing a lot of team building stuff to, to keep that mojo high to finish out the season season. Well, so that's been, been sort of on the front of my mind lately with everyone that I've got and uh me personally I was just telling you guys as I'm getting older I try all these different things to test out for not only myself but my athletes invested in a aura ring I'm going to be interested to see over time what that data tells me at the moment it just tells me to not train every day <laughs> but uh <laughs> So I'm a little skeptical at the moment, but I think over time, the collection of data will be interesting and perhaps helpful. So that's kind of cool on this, this end. Awesome. I like it. What's going on with you, Jesse? Well, um, given the topic of the day is, you know, having a successful end of the year after kind of a long season, which, you know, it was on the forefront of the line for, I have a big crew racing Ironman Arizona and some of them, you know, have been racing the St. George's and been racing all year, myself included. I'm getting ready for Ironman Arizona, which, you know, is end of November and will be my fourth Ironman of the year. So even though I didn't do the St. George's, it has been a long season for me as well. And so, yeah, that's kind of what made me think of this topic is that I've got a crew racing Arizona, I'm doing it. And you know, at, at an advanced age for Ironmans is, is, is kind of a lot for me. So that's, uh, that's why I want to talk about how to, how to be successful in the back half of the season when you've been going strong, potentially did a really early season Ironman, and then, you know, probably kept racing because that's what triathletes like to do. And then you still have racing going all the way into November. So how do you get the starting line ready to go potentially to have the best race of the year, maybe even the best race of your life coming up after a long season. You know, what's really interesting is even talking about this is I remember when I was racing full-time, I did uh, between three and four Ironmans every year, year. I trained year round. So I traveled the, you know, you chased the season. So it was Southern hemisphere for the season over there. And then you flip that, you come over to North America and North American and uh, European season over here and raced I mean, you trained and raced year round. And I did that for, 
I mean, better part, I mean, over six years for sure, almost 10 years. So the, you know, this is a good topic for that. And I always did at least, like I say, typically most of the time it was like three Ironmans a year. There's like a, like you're talking about real early season, mid season, late season, and then like five half Ironmans throughout that. And it was spread between Asia, Europe, and then whether it was North America or back in the Southern hemisphere, like Australia later in the year. So, so definitely not a new topic for, for me, for sure. Or, or something that I feel like is, uh, something that we people have been doing forever, right? I mean, if you've been training and racing forever, you've probably been racing year round for a long time. Yeah, it, it does seem like the options are getting more and more plentiful to race in November, December, and then turn around and race in February, March and not have to even leave, say the US. But but yeah, definitely has been has been going on for a long time. But how do you do it successfully? That's the question of the day. Cut the course. Um, of course. inappropriate answer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, are we, we're in, we're talking about the, the, you know, how to periodize the training or what you're managing, or, you know, there's so many aspects that go into that, the type of athlete, how much training they've done all year, how they recover from racing, how they hold on to fitness. I mean, this is such a huge topic, right? I mean, there's so many, depends on the weather, where the person is. Um, there's just, and, and age can play a part, but I don't necessarily think that that's as well. I know that all of my athletes this year, the one thing that came up in this back half that it was like St. George world championships, Kona world championships, and then 70.3 world championships. There were so many big events that they had to be up for throughout this year. And especially the back half of the year, man, at least one of them, I feel like it was easy for someone to fall flat either mentally or physically. You know, I heard it among some of my friends as well for one of those. So that's, uh, I think also plays in, into this whole conversation. Do you guys feel like uh, I'm making a bold statement if I say end of year race success for me or not for me personally, but when I, when I look at like the average athlete that's successful in an end of year race, is coming into the race wanting to race and is like still preparing like the mental aspect of it is is quite large like they want to be there and they're not like ripping off a band-aid for lack of a better term you know it's oh i signed up for this race oh this is the the last thing of the year as opposed to like i have unfinished business or they're just excited to race still and those so whatever you can do in your training it's making sure that that athlete comes to the race ready to push themselves on the day and, and, and like, uh, be in the moment and be aggressive. I always feel like everything towards the end of the year is pushing to make sure that people are ready, ready to actually push themselves on the day. Yeah. If you've been kind of burning mental matches all year, you can definitely come up short when it comes to that mental energy to push really hard. If we're talking about an Ironman for eight, nine, 10, 12 hours, and that's what you need, right? You need to be pretty mentally fresh and ready to go. Um, and so I guess if I, I'm going to change things like for my athletes leading in towards the end of the season, one thing I like to look at is I, I'm a big believer in like consistency and frequency throughout the season. But I think that as you get in towards the back half of the year, if you've been doing that all year, I kind of feel like you've earned the right to be a little more inconsistent. So I don't give a ton of rest days, but maybe in October, November, I'll give a few more rest days because you've been swimming, let's call it four or five times a week all year. Well, maybe you can skip a session, be a little fresher for that next session, save a little mental energy, and then maybe go a little harder. So those key sessions can maybe be a little bigger. And then those rest times can be a little more resty so that you're kind of like hitting that key sessions, but maybe you don't need those 90 minute spins that you've been doing all year. Maybe you can kind of say, Hey, let's, let's stay fresh. Let's like not burn a little tiny mental energy here and make these bigger workouts a little bit bigger and kind of have higher peaks, lower valleys to, to kind of say, Hey, you you've earned the right to be a little inconsistent going into the race and really, really hit some of those big workouts hard. I agree with you, but I would actually even go one for, I mean, it depends on the person, right? So some of the people, I think the approach you just said would be great. And then there's other people where you would just take out workouts so sometimes like, let's say this person does four swims, four bikes, four runs a week on average, 
maybe you just pull out two of the easier workouts and they still kind of have the core. Um, and, and maybe one week you pull out a swim the next week you pull out a bike. So it's like, if they're so used to 12 workouts a week, maybe it's just 11, but you kind of switch which one's going. And, and, and a lot of times that's enough where people feel like, Oh, I'm not doing that much, but they're not missing that much. And if they were consistent, like you said, okay, your athletes don't take many rest days and their consistency is key in your, in how you write for training. Um, you're not going to really lose anything because they might, you know, you're still basically doing everything the same. You're just pulling one thing. Now, if you do that for a whole year, that's a problem, but we're talking about like coming in, like, I think you had said six, eight weeks before that last race. So if you just pull it for a little, like a month that can do a lot to help freshen someone up mentally, but also physically. And, and sometimes that's what you need to make it to that next level physically, because we, we do need to make sure people are getting enough rest and aren't getting worn out and don't have their aura ring telling them to, to go to sleep every morning when they wake up. Right, Marilyn? Right, exactly. Do you think though, I think the key thing that both you guys are saying is it's important to know, like pulling the, what would be considered the easier workouts that maybe cumulatively over the year were very beneficial, but and this back half of the season, it's additional miles that aren't really needed. The reason I'm pointing that out is actually I had one athlete who'd done a lot of really big racing all year and going into Kona, I limited the number of really long runs because they had done some, some really like ultra epic, big, long runs. And so I focused more on like between two to two and a half hour runs with a lot of quality in it going into their last Ironman of the year. And in hindsight, like once we reviewed the race and looked at the performance and how it all went, we probably should have continued to have at least, you know, three or four 18 to 20 mile runs going into that race. And, and I didn't focus so much on the distance going in because we had already done so much volume all year and some really, really big runs and some huge races. So I was on the end of like protecting the volume going in and saying, okay, we need to just back that off and focus on the quality. The, the duration is in there. This person is also naturally gifted with endurance stuff. So it's, I, you know, it's not like breaking down late in a race is an issue for this athlete. So with all that in mind, I went with the approach of pulling back some of the very specific, like 18, 20 mile runs. And yes, they did go in a little fresher, but it turns out we should have actually kept, like I say, at least three of those in. And, um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think it's important to know what you guys are outlining is that pulling the easier sessions that over cumulative time early in the season are beneficial. However, late in the season, they don't, they don't have a big impact and just still focus on getting those meat and potato sessions. Like you might still need the five hour ride. If you're doing an Ironman, you might still need the 20 mile run. If you're doing an Ironman, however, you don't need that 90 minute spin on Friday before that. So is that's would you guys, yeah, the, the stretch out swim after the long run disappears the easy spin, like the day after the long ride or the day after that hard ride or run that disappears, like, or the shakeout jog, all that stuff disappears. I think, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I do think there's a few people and this probably more applies to pros where, or whatever, like people who've been training a long time at a high level where there are certain situations where the bigger workouts get smaller, but I think that applies more to somebody who does truly high level big workouts that only so many people can do so for certain people i mean like even erica this past week right we were like okay well she still did what most people would consider quite a big workout um the lady at the track who was going to saint george who was very impressed with her running you know um was like holy smokes and um but to us we were like okay she's holding back she's going a couple seconds and 800 slower on purpose and we did a couple less reps um, and, and that goes a long ways because she's still getting most of the stimulus, but yeah, I think for the most part, I would agree spot on, except for those, um, pretty infrequent cases. Yeah. And I guess to, to Marilyn's like maybe question there on that athlete, I, I do think sometimes it is good to even, you know, we were talking about skipping, like just those easier sessions or whatever, like even skipping or taking a few more sessions easy so that you can include that 18 or 20, and say, okay, well, we need to include this, but then we need to maybe take out a little bit more to keep you fresh. And it is that give and take 
where like it, it is, you know, it's definitely a judgment call and you don't always get it right as far as what needs to stay in there, what doesn't. But I do think like, you know, maybe moving some of those pieces around that you don't usually move around, you know, kind of need to adjust for this time of year. Um, and yeah, like making some of those workouts really a little, little bit bigger, some of those a little bit easier, kind of depending on the athlete or like what Elliot said, like maybe making those big workouts a little shorter, like maybe you don't need a seven hour long ride anymore, but maybe you need a five hour long ride with a little more quality in there. Um, it's good to know like the, the, the baseline total training load that each athlete needs though, just to be fit enough to perform no matter what time of year they're at. Do you know what I mean by that? Because, okay. you know, like there's certain athletes that hang on to fitness for a really long time and they can kind of get away with, in fact, they're usually the ones, they are a little bit tired in the back half of the season and you're monitoring that stuff a little bit more, but then there's the ones that lose fitness pretty quickly. And if you drop everything too drastically, their, their actual fitness goes to a level that you're just setting them up for failure as far as having what it takes to, to complete their goal and the duration of their event, you know, whatever, and, and the intensity of what they're going to do. And it's like, yeah, it's the back half of the season. We have, we all think the same way. It's the back half of the season. We've had this huge amount of races and load and training in our legs. But I think the key part there is knowing exactly how an athlete holds on to fitness, because if they're not someone who holds on to it, it doesn't matter how much they've done all year, they're going to tank at their events. So you have to make sure that that's, that's something, you know, about each person I've seen, there's one guy that one of my friends coaches and he had like nearly six weeks off going into a late season race, but he holds on to fitness so well that he went and had like the best performance of his life. It was like a massive taper. So I, I like, I guess my point is, is that knowing how your athlete holds on to fitness, we've talked about this before in past podcasts. So, you know, that, I think that comes into play in the back half of the year, huge, hugely. And I think on top of that, I agree a hundred percent, but some people will hold on to their endurance quite well and not necessarily their top end or their efficiency. And some people are the inverse, right? Like their speed kind of goes away quite slowly, but maybe their endurance drops and figuring that out for each athlete is important too, because there's certainly the longer you work with an athlete or, or the longer you pay attention to your own training, you might start to notice that you're like, well, I can like still do some turnover stuff, but then, um, you know, let's say you're doing mile repeats on the track. You're like, I go the same speed, but it just beats me up. You know, like you all of a sudden don't have the, like you can do the workout, but you don't have the endurance. Or if you stop doing your long run and then you try to do kind of a long run, it's just totally gone. Right. And then there's the other people who it's like, they haven't done a long run in forever and they can still go do the long run. It's not a problem. Um, and, and so trying to figure that out about yourself as well is quite important because it's not, you know, and some people lose both quick and some people keep both, but there's, there's, there's definitely some uh, fine tuning on if you're losing more of your efficiency or top end, whatever you want to phrase that versus just your pure endurance. Yeah. You guys kind of like must've been leaning over my piece of paper here. Um, but the next, the next kind of strategy I, <laughs> I had for this was like, just keep taking things over. Like maybe you don't need to do any hero workouts maybe you don't need to really change much. And like, you actually will still be getting ready for a race by just saying, Hey, you know, you've been doing X, Y, and Z all year and you've been racing well. And so we're just going to like, you know, roll through the same motions and keep things going and then just taper a little bit and, and race. And like, we're not going to really bring you up. We're just going to keep checking those boxes because you're fit. And we just need to do all these things to hold on to that fitness. Kind of like you guys are talking about, like, what does this athlete need to do? And we're just going to say, Hey, you need to like touch on threshold. You need to do whatever each week and just kind of do those things. And like, it's not going to look like a giant build because you have a lot of fitness in the bank. We're just going to like, keep taking it over, keep things going. And then just a little bit of a taper and boom, you're going to have a good race because you've you've been doing enough all year that that's all we need to do is like, yeah, not, not anything huge. Just check the boxes. Don't you think the also, sorry. Don't you think it also has a lot to do with how hard a person races? And, do you, you know mean like I mean? how deep they push themselves in the race? Yeah. Like if someone's already got like two or three Ironmans and let's say four or five half Ironmans in their legs and they go to the well every single time, versus someone who maybe only one of those all year they really really had to push then 
that also could affect what the approach is on the back half of the season or how, you know, how they're able to race consistently from, let's say, February all the way to November. I mean, I remember Melina saying he's, I mean, those guys, they were crazy. They, you know, he would race every like Friday, Saturday, Sunday for months and months and months. And he would say something like, well, I never really had to go that hard to win. You know, he was never really they were just workouts and, and it was only like a few times a year where he had to really kick it in and, and lay it all out there on the run. And then he was wrecked for, you know, if you, if you dig all the way through a marathon, you're racing nose to nose, then that's going to take a lot more out of you and more to recover. And like how many of those have you done that year is going to affect how you feel in the back half of the year and how you manage that. That's a hundred percent true. And well, I should say, I don't mean to be rude, but a lot of people, if you haven't been truly, truly fit, um, I don't like, not everybody can dig deep enough in a half Ironman or Ironman to get to that level of fatigue. And often like pure endurance is your limiter for those races, right? So you just come into pure endurance and you're just tired. And so you can have a deep, like a, a deep, long lasting fatigue or just like a fatigue from the endurance, but that's a little bit different from an intensity fatigue, which is what you're describing what Scott was doing with his half. Most of his races were Olympics back then. Yeah. Um, and it, it, like two hours all out, similar to, to a marathon for a lot of high level marathoners really can put you under for a long time. Um, so I, I would agree with that and you do have to play with that. But I think that kind of plays in with um, when we were just at the start, like, how hard can you mentally focus and are, is it, are you even available to mentally possibly push that hard? And I think it just will depend on the person, but for a lot of people, that's why you would be pulling back. Like if you were one of those people who went super deep, you might have to pull back on your endurance and on your hard workouts. And you just need to like freshen up overall because you only have so many, so many bullets. It was a long time ago, but when I still raced on a regular basis, I remember I decided I could go fully to the well twice a year like a true like blackout might not you know stomach doesn't recover for three four days like actually push myself kind of all out um like the last time i beat jesse in a race that like literally i was i mean jesse knew we went to get food racing I from the car to the to the grocery store doesn't count elliot no 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 <laughs> That's what would happen now. I couldn't be Jesse sprinting all out for a hundred meters in the swim if he was doing an Ironman right now. Um, but the point is that I'm sure Jesse remembers, like I literally fell asleep in a grocery store for four hours and I woke up and my heart rate was over a hundred. Like I, you can only do that so many times. And I beat him by like two seconds. That's what it took. Right. And Jesse went on and like raced even faster the next weekend. Um, and I've never been fast since. So the point is, if you're going to go that hard, you only have so many times, right? And you probably do need to freshen up and you can't do big training. I mean, you can do big training, but you can't, if you just race like that, you're not going to race like that again, unless you really let like lower your overall volume and intensity in your training post that sort of effort. I think there's indicators too, with people like uh, chronic muscle soreness, or if they're getting, I think in you know, the fall is brutal for people getting sick, right? You know, kids are back to school and there's just a lot more germs floating around and that kind of stuff. So like, but if someone's getting sick a lot, you know, their muscle soreness from workouts, they normally recover from is a little bit more than normal at last, maybe a day longer, that kind of stuff. That's stuff to pay attention to when you're doing your build into the back half of the uh, back half of the season race. And I think, I just think, um, I want to make sure that our overwhelming message doesn't just lean too heavily on like pull back, pull back, pull back, because yes, that is typically the answer, but it's not always the answer, right? It's not, there well, are, there are athletes that really do and can need to work pretty hard right into that last seat race of the season. So Jesse, I thought, tell me if you're wrong. I thought Jesse was kind of trying to say at the start that in, you would only be pulling back for most people so you can execute the hard workouts really well. Is that Jesse? You want to take it yeah. in there? Yeah, no, exactly. I, I think to, I agree with both of you in that, like, I, 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 I don't want to, our overall message to be, Oh, just do way less and you'll be fine. Because I think that, you know, you, you need to make sure that you're doing enough. And I do, I think that you can pull back a little bit, but 
the, the counter to that is the hard workouts need to be at least as good as they've been all year, right? If not better. And so you're, you're pulling back in some places in order to execute those bigger workouts. And one of the other things I have written down is like why you're pulling back a little bit is to make sure that you're, if you have other stressors in your life, which tend to happen this time of year, like we're kind of rolling into the holidays, you know, there's Halloween, who knows what's going on for people. And, <laughs> and like, you need to not get sick. So you need to make sure you're staying rested enough to keep your immune system up and you need to make sure you're not getting injured it's a dangerous world out there. So like you need to kind of stay on all those things. And that gets a little harder. Like, I mean, it's freezing today in Tucson. It's gotta be 50 degrees. I don't know how people survive. Oh my God. It's so cold. (laughs) But but I'm just saying like, that's, that's another like, kind of like thing you've got to be careful of. Like, are you, are you managing the weather? Are you managing the illnesses that are around there? All these things that like maybe in the middle of the summer when it's perfect everywhere, you don't need to worry about. But but now you're rolling into a November race, a December race. You're dealing with like snow, freezing temperatures, you know, kind of all these other things. Um, and and so yeah. your training's moved indoors, right? Yeah. Like for a lot of people, if you don't live somewhere sunny and nice and have the flexibility, you got a late season race You're Now all of a sudden the whole last part of your prep sorry to totally interrupt there but it's like it made me think of like you know there's going to be a handful of people that their whole last section of their preparation is on trainers and treadmills because because like what you're just saying that what that's what prompted that is like all of a sudden the the weather is terrible and now they might not actually even get outside for the last like three four weeks into their build so yeah, like, so being able to manage that, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of different things that you might have to manage going into this late season race that's going to like be different than a race in in August. So I think that is just something to to consider. And just kind of while we're on that topic, I think one thing I see kind of across the board when it starts to get a little bit colder from athletes is everyone's like, "Oh, it's not super hot out. I don't need to drink water anymore." And then I have all these athletes that are like underperforming and I'm like, "Well, like, you know, how much you're drinking? And they're like, oh, well, you know, it's not hot out. I'm like, well, you still need to make sure you're hydrating. And so kind of across the board, I see that this time of year. And that plays into like your immune system and all these other things you need to kind of make sure you're staying on. So just because it's cold out, don't stop drinking water. One that I think the other thing people have problem with that is people drink less when they're cold. And, and of course you have to like, when you have to pee, your body's trying to keep that pee warm until you pee it out. And that's, something in the back of people's minds but i always kind of try to tell people like hey if you have to stop a million times in this workout that's fine if the reason is you're staying hydrated right and it's like put on a few more clothes especially if it's an easy ride it's like put on a few more clothes or if it's a hard ride it's like yes you're going to be layering your interval reps might be a little off because you're going to have to layer but i'd rather you be comfortable as much as this workout as possible and do the hard parts hard even if it means we're compromising the, the, the perfect rest, if you will, because um, that stuff's really important. And then you finish the workout and you're that much more. I mean, the whole point of this is you want to do those hard workouts well. And so whatever you can do to do them well is going to pay off in the, in the end of it. And obviously hydrating and staying warm is a part of that. What about the athletes that are doing late season races who haven't really raced that much all year? Time to hit the gas pedal. You gotta race. Let's get excited. Right. I mean, a lot some athletes they've been training Panic. a ton all a ton all year, but they haven't really raced that much. And they're going in, they're trying to like hang on to motivation while a lot of other people are shutting it down. You know, I think that, that it's important to acknowledge, even just for like one moment, is the those athletes that they really haven't raced much all year, but the rest of the world is kind of starting to shut it down. And it's important as coaches that we keep their motivation high while everyone else is shutting it down that they might be coming into their their peak part of the season so almost you know putting a little bit of blinders on them and saying yes the noise all around you because no matter how we like to think of it we're all affected by the noise around us but as all the world championships sort of come and go and the fall sets in and there's you know, less races at the moment on the calendar, it starts to feel like a lot of off season talk, that kind of thing, even planning for next year. And someone might be out there going like, Hey, like I still here. this is my a race coming up. Like Ironman Arizona might be something someone's been training for all year. And so making sure you keep that, that motivation really high. And, and, you know, if that's you then recognize that. 
and get excited. It's finally yeah. on its way, even yeah. though it's, it, you know, again, I always feel like it's a little bit hard when the weather changes. And like, for me, uh, like, yeah, time daylight is like really important. Like I was driving to the pool this morning and I actually saw one of my athletes running in, in these little short shorts. And I was like, what are you doing running? It's like the middle of the night. And I'm like, Oh, it's actually almost six o'clock, but it's just so dark out right now. It's like, it's like hard to, uh, hard to imagine that it's this dark at 6am. And so it kind of messes with my head a little bit and it's like easier to sleep in kind of all those things we're trying to overcome in order to kind of stay motivated, but there is light at the end of the tunnel, The fall races are almost here. Right. Indeed. I, to the point of the uh, racing hard, like when it's your first, one of your first races of the year. I mean, honestly, I, I've always thought you should just approach the first race of the year. Like it's the first race of the year. And if it's insanely early and you're not ready, right? Like if we're, if this was February, we might be saying, Oh, it's, it's an early season race and you treat that race differently. But if, it, if this is your like big last race of the year <clears throat> and it's your first race of the year, I just treat it, whether it's at the end of the year or the beginning year, basically the same way and do that lead in. And you will have some environmental factors. And I think the biggest thing is that daylight's disappearing as opposed to coming with this being in the Northern hemisphere. And it's more just trying to make sure that you're not shoving too much on somebody's plate with less daylight. And I think that's the one thing that I guess we haven't talked about yet with people losing daylight hours, we might be trying to do these harder workouts hard, or maybe you're trying to like hit new heights in your training and you can do all that. But we do have to understand that a day that has 16 hours of daylight is a lot easier to get your training done and have a nice relaxed day than when there's eight hours of daylight. I actually would really like to hear specifically how you're managing it, Jesse, because you just said like, this can be your fourth Ironman of the year. You've been racing all year. So like, let's hear the deets, man. Tell us what's, what's, what are you, what are you doing with your training and yourself specifically? Um, well, I am trying to listen to my body a little bit more than, and maybe not like steamroll through some workouts that maybe I would have done in the past. Like, I mean, over the weekend, I felt like absolute crap. And, you know, like, I feel like the me of five years ago would have been like, well, let's just grab a six pack of Red Bull and make this happen no matter what. And um, six, please tell me you're joking. I mean, I am exaggerating maybe one monster energy drink or something, which is 40% juice. So it's basically a health drink. Um, <laughs> it's basically good for me. <laughs> I can't even, I can't even look at the health labels on those without getting cancer. All um, right, carry on. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm trying to stay young here, Elliot. So I uh, mean, the, the rule is if you're, if you're on a bike ride, you're allowed to drink it and it's good for you right? Sugar exactly. and caffeine. Good if you're exercising, bad if you're not. So, but, all right. Sorry. Yeah. But the, the point is, is that, you know, I've had some kind of workouts where I've been like, Hey, like I cannot execute this right now. Like mentally or physically, it would be kind of like a too big of a stretch. And so I've been okay to kind of pull back a little bit. And that is not my normal MO to, to kind of pull back. And I've, I've kind of been moving the levers when I, when I have to, to say, Hey, like I need to drop the intensity or I need to drop the volume a little bit. And, um, I mean, this weekend was, I just had to cut the intensity and like, I just kind of rode long and, and ran easy and said, I'm going to be okay with this. And I'm going to like, actually on Halloween over the weekend, I was, I went to bed while Frankie was still up handing out candy. Cause I was like, I am just kind of done right now. Um, so I've been, I've been really trying to do what I need to do and, and listen to that. What are the markers that you use to tell you, like, have you know that you're in going to be in the shape that you want to get the result you want from the race coming up? Like, what are, what are those actual indicators that you're looking for in certain workouts? Is it like paces in a specific workout? Is it, uh, numbers that you're seeing from, you know, over time or throughout the entire build? Is it like a real specific workout that you continuously gauge yourself based on? Is it a feeling? <laughs> it's more than a feeling. <laughs> Do you... Uh, uh, you know, it's hope, isn't that? It's just, is hope a strategy? No? Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> but I, I wasn't totally joking on the feeling. Like, you know how, like, sometimes 
you're doing a long run and you just are like, it doesn't really matter if you're running, like in your case, since you're very fast running, it doesn't matter if you're running like 640s for your quote unquote easy run or you're running eight minute pace. Like you just are like, oh, I'm efficient. And for long races, I feel like that somewhat matters. That's that's what I meant by that. Yeah, no, I would say across the board though, I do rely on feel more than any of those specific things. And some of it is like how I feel in the workout and a lot of it is how I feel after the workout and also kind of how I feel. You should, you should repeat that. That was wise. Um, how I feel in the workout and how I feel after the workout. Like if I can, you know, run 18 miles and be like, yeah, I can go about my day now. Or if I run 18 miles and like, all I need to do is like lie on the floor and eat cereal. Um, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, that, that kind of like, that's a big thing for me is how I can absorb the training. And that's sort of like the same, it's same early season when you're out of shape and late season, <laughs> exactly. when you're really. but like, there's a sweet spot in the middle of the year where it's like, Oh, I can run 18 miles and feel amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, are you okay? <laughs> no, I just, one, I've seen you lay on your kitchen floor eating cereal after too hard of a ride, you know, or too long of a ride. And I was like, okay, that, but I think like that, that's a great test, right? Just how long are you just out cold, right? Cause everyone needs to do some workouts where maybe you're out cold, um, particularly for longer course races, right? There's a certain amount of endurance that you just have to get done. And, and it often beats the crap out of you from a, can you do anything for the rest of the day? But that's a great gauge that I really don't think an aura ring or a whoop or whatever is ever going to be able to gauge the, like, I just ran 20 miles and then I grocery shopped within an hour and a half of finishing the run. Right. Like that's everyone kind of has their own thing. Or did you clean the litter box or did you do the laundry or whatever it might be? Um, but that's a pretty great gauge of fitness that has nothing to do with how fast you are. There must be although some kind of like paces that you're looking for in the pace clock in the pool and like paces that you feel for on the run or little, little, you know, main sets on the bike that you see certain numbers on your power meter and know like, yeah, I'm ready to go race these guys and know that you're ready. Like, you know, there, there's gotta be some, I, I know what you're saying based on feel and that how messed up you are afterwards and how long it takes to recover from, but like, you want some numbers there, has, though, right? there, there has to be something that you're looking for to say, yeah, I feel pretty confident towing the line this weekend and racing with, with these guys. Yeah. So, so you want, you want numbers. Is that, that's I mean, you, don't, you don't have to share the exact numbers if you're not comfortable with that, but All I'm right. just saying there has to be certain things that you're like, man, I don't, I'm not really sure how this is going to go or like, yep. I know for sure that I've got a, a, you know, I'm in, I'm in pretty good form to have a crack at it, whatever that is. And however it turns out, but we all have like an idea of what that is for each of us. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I can, I can kind of roll through that and it's in the pool. If I can, if I can hit fifties on like the 30 seconds, like and, and be like, okay, I can do this and I'm not all out sprinting. I mean, I can't go much faster because I don't have a huge top end, but like, if I can do a handful of those, I can say, okay, I've, I've got like the speed. And then if I can do something like, um, you know, I would, I would break this up somehow, but we'll call it a broken version of like 2100s making me on the 115. And, and again, it'd be like, I wouldn't what do all you, Do you just need to make it? Yeah, I just need to make it. Um, and be able to take off, you know, but maybe mm -hmm. I would do like a group of 10, a group, a group of six, a group of four or something with like a little bit of recovery in there. And, but it's also like, if I can do that kind of any given moment, it's not like I'm tapering for this set. It's like, oh yeah, that's what we're doing today. And I feel kind of okay doing it. And I know there's going to be some people that are like, whoa, that's how slow you swim in a pool. But you know, I, I might, you're good. That. You're a good open water swimmer. I mean, that that's part of the equation, right? Yeah. Like so you do, you do swim well in open water. You swim straight. You sight well. You find feet well. You handle the traffic well. So that might not be enough for somebody else, but like that's enough for me to be in a good spot to kind of like make that group. Um, yeah. I've got a little bit of speed and I've got some repeatability to hang on for that first 800. And then if I'm there, it's usually smooth sailing. Um, on the bike, I, I need to be able to like ride pretty hard and then keep riding steady after. 
uh, I don't know why Elliot's laughing now, but I'll do something like like the shootout and I'll look at my power and, you know, I, Marilyn wanted numbers. Well, OK, so no, I'm giving no, that's that's fine. No, that's totally fine. I this this is good. It just gives people an idea, you know, like for me, Sorry. I do the shootout a lot. So I use that as a gauge, it's like how I perform on the shootout. And I know my, what my normalized power should be in there. And like maybe I'll normalize 315 for the 45 minutes of like the shootout part. Um, and like my threshold is probably like just under 300 somewhere. Uh, can you yeah. remind people the the 315 aspect takes you about how long on the shootout? Uh, it's about 45 minutes of hard riding. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if you're listening to this, Jesse's not a big guy. So 315 is hauling ass for reference. Um, and then if I can do that and then do some like Ironman pace after, whether it's like uh, three by 30 or whether it's just like, you know, one 45 minute chunk. And then like, maybe after that, I'll be trading pulls like five minutes a little at a time, a little bit over Ironman wattage. But again, it's like doing, doing the shootout, being able to ride for a while after hitting some Ironman pace and, and feeling pretty good still, you know, like I'm going to keep that feel in there, even though I'm giving you some numbers and like Ironman pace for me is like around 250, maybe a little bit under, maybe a little bit over depending on the day. But, um, so yeah, I would, I would do, you know, maybe a, a five to six hour ride where I do the shootout and then can hit some Ironman pace after. And maybe it's like 90 minutes to two hours broken Ironman pace after the shootout, something like that and get off the bike. And, uh, like, you know, I, there's this guy, Mario was in town for a bit. So we started doing 10 Ks off the bike and I, I usually just do my like time and mileage, but now it's like, now I do a 10 K just for Mario. And, um, and Mario so, the masseuse? No, Mario, uh, the guy from Argentina. Oh, yeah, I've been with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, carry on. Uh, so now I do 10K. So, yeah, I do that workout and do a 10K off the bike where um, I guess my MO is to do like 5K hard, 5K kind of cruisy. And um, and that's that's hard for me because it's, it's hard for me to like get off the bike and just get right at it. You know, I'm old. It takes me a while to get into it. But if I can do a, like a 5K, you know, um, the last one I did was like 5k around 615 pace and then 5k around like 645. Um, and like it, it felt cruisy, you know, that's like first 800 is always hard, but then I can settle into like 615s and it's fine. And then I slow down to 645s and it's like, I'm kind of jogging. Um, and is it fair to say a lot of that run test is also a test of your cycling fitness and your oh, totally. protocol and, and, yeah. and your pacing, your body position on the bike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, I mean, then the next day would kind of be the actual run test, right? Where, um, and I've gone through a few different iterations of this, but, you know, I'd like to be able to run, you know, 18 miles to, to 20 miles where there's, call it 16 miles in the middle where I'm rolling steady. And, you know, that's six tens to six thirties based on uh, exactly where my fitness is at. But, uh, you know, right now, yeah, if I can do six fifteens and just feel cruisy in the middle, then that's kind of what I'm looking for. And, and hopefully I can run some, you know, in the six, six twenties to six thirties in Ironman. Wait, so, I, I, so, so you're specifically like, you have like, really, I mean, you started out with, I just go by feel, but you actually have like, what I, what I'm loving is you have really specific indicators that you're looking for to say, Hey, I feel like I'm ready to go and race. Now, the other thing that sort of like, what will help people by hearing this and we're using you basically as like an example here at the end, you know, after we've talked about all these different athletes and how to, how to manage it. When you look for those specific things, at the start of the season, the middle of the season, you've done, this is your fourth Ironman this year. What's the biggest difference? I know you've touched on this already, but is there like a blaring difference in what allows you to achieve those indicators in each of those periods of the year? Like, let me break it into those, those four blocks, those four Ironmans that are the three that you've already done this year compared to what you're trying to you know, you're looking for those indicators going into Ironman Arizona at the end of this year. Is there like very specific things that you say, okay, I need to do this, this, and this in order for me to see X, Y, and Z that you just clearly outline. I mean, you have clear indicators. So, you know, at the beginning of the season, what you need to do to make that happen. And then it's, you know, changes as you go through the, through the year. 
So I think for me, it's a little bit less about the time of year because kind of like you were saying in the beginning about like you raced kind of all year round and I've done a little bit of the same. And especially this year, where I took kind of a really big mid-season break. So I needed to kind of do different things to get myself in place to hit those targets. And that was just kind of based on where like my say deficits were like, as of recently, I've needed to add an extra swim a week because I wasn't swimming quite up to par. Um, and so I'll change little things like that based on where I see the fitness kind of moving in and out, but I kind of just keep more of like a ticking it over philosophy where I kind of know what I do generally. And that usually kind of gets me there. And I, I think that compared to me at a younger age and what I see with some other, like, I guess age group athletes is I do kind of allow myself to fall in and out of fitness where I wasn't very fit in the middle of the summer. And I wasn't very fit after Ironman um, Des Moines. Like I, I do give myself these like lulls where I love it. Do you mean fit or fast? Um, fast. I, well, I mean, like, you know, I, I, well, do you know what I'm saying? Like, because a person can be like fit in a few workouts away from being fast again, as opposed to like truly unfit. I guess that's what I was, I was curious about. Yeah, I guess I just, yeah, I allow, I allow that speed to go away and I allow my, my fitness to definitely come down a bit and I don't, and, and yeah, you're right. It's probably not that many workouts away, but I do allow for that kind of lull as opposed to just like, it might look like since I've done four Ironmans, I've been going steady all year long, but there are some points in the year where, where you guys saw me and Marilyn wrote to me in, in the middle of summer where I was like, like riding your wheel, just like I, I'm tired right now. And, uh, and, you know, so I do kind of allow for, for that ebb and flow. So I think, I think it's really, I appreciate you sharing this with us and everybody, because there's some really important takeaways here is that, you know, it would be easy to get lost in the overriding message that we're saying earlier, if the back half of the year, pull back, pull back. But what you're clearly outlining is one that you have very specific indicators that you look for, no matter what the time of the year is. And with the ebb and flow of your year, like we outlined earlier, is it depends on the athlete. And it also depends on the season, how hard they race, all of these things with your ebb and flow up, up and down, you're not necessarily pulling back as you come in the back end, end of the season. You're monitoring your fatigue and, and, and what you're seeing in those indication workouts of what you need to maybe possibly add to be able to perform at this time of year. So you're saying, oh, okay, I was a little bit too tired to hit that bike workout. So I needed an extra day off or I needed one easy day before I went and hit it. However, I noticed my swimming was a little down. So I actually added some swimming and added some, uh, you know, a swim intensity or a number of swims in the week. So it's not even just like an overriding blanket of this is what I did with all of my training. There is a little bit of what might happen specifically with the run or the bike or the swim based on adding or subtracting or giving it a day or, or those kinds of things. So it's, you know, I think it's these very detailed specifics and you being willing to share that is probably where people can really learn some things from listening to us today. So that's, that's good stuff. And I did just to throw it out there, I did do my longest ride of the year last weekend like kind of in preparation for Arizona. So there are some things where like, you know, you've been, you've been preparing all year, then you can do you, I, I feel like, let's say you've been doing five hour rides all year, like a five hour ride, isn't going to have the same effect on your endurance now as it did in the spring. Right. So like you need to move that needle because you have this fitness you've been accumulating. So unless you want to race the same, if you want to race higher, right. Then you've got to say, Hey, I've got to, do a five and a half hour ride or do a six hour. So, and like, it's not always about time, right. But like, you need to move that needle somehow. And so if you've been doing the same thing, you're going to be the same fit unless you're kind of moving that. So it could be more, I guess we started out, I started out this, well, all my notes are about how to, how to train less. And, and it's, they could, that needle could go the other direction too. You could actually need to train more because you're fitter. Yeah. That's a, that's, what's cool about these conversations, right? Yes. Cool. Always ends up with more is more. <laughs> more is more. <laughs> time to panic train more is more let's get ready for arizona so you're trying to end your season well time to panic um <laughs> sorry guys i kind of took over there i was just really and elliot i'm sure you had lots to say in there but i i was really interested in using uh jesse as part of the example of this conversation just because you know it's 
it's not only important for everyone that is still racing for the rest of the year, but you know, we've got like an actual live example of a pro male going through exactly what we're talking about. So when we have that opportunity, I, I like to take advantage of it. No, it's good. And it, it's interesting to me since I, I'm actually coaching a guy who will be doing his first Ironman who's racing Jesse in Arizona. So Jesse's done three this year coming up on four. You've done what, 20 plus in your life? I think, uh, I think this will be 30 plus. I think I hit 30 at some point this year. 30. Holy spokes. Um, I signed up, I signed up for one once. Um, (laughs) but anyways, it's really interesting to me just because obviously the training for somebody doing their first Ironman ever who, you know, earlier in this year, wasn't planning to do an Ironman necessarily, at least not this year, but we knew it was going to happen at some point. Um, is just so much different than somebody who's in your situation. And I think <clears throat> to the person who maybe is doing their first Arizona, who, you know, isn't a full-time athlete, their approach to this would be totally different than yours because they've probably just been building, building, building. And I think a lot of the things we said earlier in the podcast about kind of like staying mentally fresh as daylight wanes and as we get, you know, as it starts getting colder, doing everything you can to be ready to push yourself later on in the year from a mental perspective is great. And I think the the people who are maybe a bit more experienced would really benefit from kind of how you quite clearly have handled your ebbs and flows. And I think the big thing, the big takeaway is sure you're older, but a lot of your decision-making isn't necessarily because like you can't physically handle more. It's more because you're making more mature decisions and you've recognized mistakes in the past where you've tried to fight through things. Is that fair? Yeah. And, you know, I have like a kid and stuff, so I've got to be present at home. I can't just lie on the floor and eat cereal anymore. I get in trouble for that now. Well, you can, but you just have to share your cereal. (laughs) Dad, I'll I'll sit and eat cereal on the floor too. (laughs) On that note, are we good? (laughs) Awesome guys. Yeah. That's a super fun conversation. I think it's a Really great. It's going to be fun to watch you race in Arizona. So we'll be, we'll be there and we'll be cheering. Awesome. I'm excited. Well, thank you guys. That was, that was fun. I feel like I was interviewed a little bit, but I appreciate it. No, it was good. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody.